Welcome to the Hartwell Studio Works Sports Branding Podcast. I'm John Hartwell. I am the brains and pencil behind Hartwell Studio Works. I am a sports brand designer in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is for front office personnel who want to harness the power of sports branding to win more fans. This episode is the audio presentation of the small college AD Zoom conversation I conducted with Devin Crosby, the director of athletics at Lynn University. Devin gave a presentation entitled Three and a Half Tips to Be the Most Valued Employee in Your Organization, and he took questions on leadership afterwards in this time of uncertainty. The purpose of these Zoom conversations is to share ideas that are practical, relevant, and actionable in helping small college ADs navigate through the shifting landscape of the pandemic lockdown of 2020. I hope you find this conversation helpful. Enjoy the show. John, thank you, and, and happy Thursday to everybody there. Uh, it's good to see uh, Chris. I see some friendly uh, um, avatars there, and Spencer, Allison, uh, Jay, uh, Santiago, good to see you, uh, LB. Um, I, I told John, I promised John that um, once I get started, I'm going to try to do this in about seven minutes, because I know we're all on a lot of uh, interactive calls, Zoom, Microsoft Teams, whatever it might be, and everyone has a lot of different things going on uh, right now. Um, so what I wanted to share with you guys, just give you a little bit of preview of these three and a half tips that I've at least noticed. Um, I've recognized from, from a lot of people through my 20 years in this industry is here's a couple of, I, I'd say, disclaimers at the beginning is I believe every single employee wakes up every morning with the desire to do the very best they can do or, or be the very best person they can be. I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be a, a distraction or I'm going to uh, not give my very, very best. So the, the question remains, what separates the most valued employees in every organization? What's the separator? And what I'm going to share are these three tips that I believe that can advance each of our careers um, and have this dialogue once I get through the seven minutes of this. Um, and then the last uh, bonus tip, I think it could be life-changing. Um, I know it has been for me. So um, I'm going to get jump into them right now. So tip number one, John, why don't you hit the slide, the first, uh, the first tip there. All right. Um, just a moment here. We've got this over here and... Very good. All right, Devin, can you see the uh, title slide here? Absolutely. So, John, feel free to uh, go to the next one, the next right. slide, tip number one. So here's a tip number one, everybody, you know, is treat people well. And, and I put in there, treat people very, very well. I think it's very, very easy for us to treat everybody good. But here's what I'm going to share with you guys. It doesn't matter how you feel about the person. I think it's very easy to treat someone well who's treating you good in return. But what about the parent? Uh, who calls uh, in and says, you know, maybe something, you know, you did not do or a student athlete who, who makes mention of, of, of you and or talks about you in the wrong way or a fan who doesn't support you or a donor, but treat every single person well. It doesn't really matter how you feel about them. I'm going to share with you a quick story. So a couple of years ago, I'm working at another institution and we were headed to, or I was headed to a meeting that was in another city and I had to jump on a flight. And it was last minute. This was a very, very important meeting. Um, I didn't even pack any bags. I literally just flew straight in from, from the office, went to the place I was going to be back that very same night. And as I land to the city, the company has for a driver uh, to, you know, according to driver to come 
you know, pick me up at the airport. The driver's taking me down and I'm dealing with a couple other things because I left last minute. So I'm texting my wife and I'm talking to her about a couple of things, just trying to do normal work and, and carry on my normal day, even though I had this other um, place to be. The limo driver, he proceeds to start talking and chatting and, and, and sharing some ideas with me. And it wasn't really something I wanted to do because I thought they had other things to do. And I was trying to prepare for this meeting as well in this, with this company. So I meet with the company. Um, the meeting goes at least well to what I could imagine. And then on the way back, the limousine driver says to me, um, how'd the meeting go? And I thought that was kind of odd that he would ask that question. And I said, fine. And we kind of chatted some more. And as he let me out the car, he said to me, he goes, I just want you to know, Devin, that um, I work for the company. And this is all part of the plan. We want to see who we're doing business with. So all this time, thank God, I was very, very, you know, I treated this person well and I communicated with him. He wasn't just a limo driver. He was part of their company. So the reason why I tell the story, guys, it's so important that you treat all people well. Another thing that goes along with that, it also impacts your influence. The more people that uh, have a good feeling from you, the more influential you're going to be. And then last thing, it just gives you grace for your mistakes. We all make mistakes. And the, the better you treat people well, the more grace you're going to be given. So, John, take us to the next slide. We'll do um, number two. So the second one, guys, is embrace humility. And when you look at humility, that's been given a very soft skill for years, uh, being humble or, or having a sense of humility. But I would contend that this is not a soft skill. I think this might be one of the most powerful skills that one can have. If you think about any organization, an organization can anytime you have more than you know three people or more, that's an organization. And I believe that pride can be the consistent killer for all organizations. So my contention is that humility is freedom from pride. So if you can think about the times when you're in meetings where maybe you're not recognized or maybe someone took a project idea from you or a, a coach maybe talks to you in a way that you maybe didn't like or a student athlete doesn't respond the way you like them to respond. Oftentimes we can end up making decisions because of our pride. And that can be a killer to the organization. It can be a killer to your career. So I believe that if we can all develop this radical sense of forgiveness, I believe that creates humility. And again, I'm going to repeat that. It's a radical sense of forgiveness. That's a skill. It's not innate. We're not born, um, you know, to think about others. We're all born to be kind of selfish. But if we can get out of that selfishness, have this humility, have the freedom from pride and this radical ability to forgive, I think it can take us a long way. The last thing I'll say about humility is that humility produces curiosity and curiosity produces creativity. And who doesn't want to be creative? I'll repeat that. Humility produces curiosity and curiosity produces creativity. John, you can go to the next one, the third slide. So the next one is, guys, excellence in every single thing you do. You've seen it. You've heard it. You've read it. It's everywhere. But let me dive a little bit deeper into it is every single thing we do, it's part of our brand. And now even more so that we're, we're here sheltered in in homes or in offices or wherever you might be right now, or your employees might be right now, or your head coaches or whoever uh, reports to you. Every single email you send is part of your brand. Every single text message you send, how you send a text message, the, the grammatical construct, that is part of your brand. Your meeting presence, 
just being on, on, on a video call that you're going to be on with your president later or your athletics director or your direct report, how you present yourself in that video presence. When we get back onto campuses, how you sit in a meeting, how you conduct yourself, the fact that you're not looking on your phone, you're engaged in the meeting. That's all part of your brand. When you walk into a room, when you introduce yourself to a donor, that's part of your brand. So when I say excellence, I probably should take it a step further. It's actually part of your brand and your brand's gonna have a huge impact on your career, your influence on a campus community, where you work next, and the people that you influence. Um, so please, I, I think it's, it's important that we think about excellence in that type of way and we share that with our direct reports, the people that are reporting directly to us, um, even the younger generation, that every single thing we do is excellence. John, uh, take it to the uh, next one. I'm trying to make sure I'm keeping valuable to my time. So I'm gonna talk about the, the half tip. Again, the half tip here, I believe, is something that can change. Uh, it changed my life. I think it can, it can change your life. And I think it's that important. So John, you can take it to the next slide here. So the half tip I have here is finding a way to obtain your peace beyond your circumstances. Now, I share this not in the construct of the fact that we're in a, a world health crisis. That, that's not the point of this. It happens to be that's where we're at. But guys, life is tough. Uh, nobody, nobody gets you know, a playbook for how to deal with some of the major crises of life. And I know that's part of the pandemic, but nobody, no one gets a playbook on how to deal with uh, not having your contract renewed. Nobody, there's no playbook for what to do when a donor decides not to give you the million dollar um, agreement three days um, after he announced it and you announced it to the institution. There's no playbook for going on NCAA probation and you had nothing to do or you didn't even know it was happening. Uh, there's so many things out there. So what I would, would lend to everybody, if, if you can find a way to obtain your peace beyond your circumstances, and what I mean by that a little bit more is that peace is not the absence of conflict. And again, we think in war terms, yeah, that's, that's true. But in our personal lives, our business lives, there's going to be struggle. There's going to be conflict every single day, every single day you go to work. So if you can have this peace with inside of you, it's going to shine brightly to others, which will give even more influence. So me, myself, personally, my relationship with Jesus Christ happens to be my peace that I get. I'm not here to preach to you, and I'm not here to tell you to change you know, what you would think to be your peace. But what I'll suggest to you, that your peace needs to be bigger than you, and it needs to be not about you. Because that's what you're going to be able to rest in during those times of struggle. Again, it must be bigger than you, and it can't be about you. So I'll leave it like that. We'll go to the next slide, John. Again, just a summary is, you know, for your, your, your influence and be the most uh, value person is one, treat people very, very well, embrace humility, excellence in every single thing that you do, and obtain a peace beyond your circumstances. John, that's my time. I think I did this within seven minutes. <laughs> you did indeed. Very, uh, a, a very, uh, very compact and efficient presentation. Thank you, Devin. So at this time, certainly I want to uh, encourage folks to please uh, ask some questions, engage in some conversation here uh, with Devin about these uh, three and a half points, or, or dare I say, Devin, with, uh, with, with other issues of uh, other points of, of leadership within college athletics as well. So like I said, if you would, Absolutely. please 
either use the raise hand function in your participant box, or you can also send me uh, a message via chat. Let me just make sure I've got all of my boxes open here. There we go. All right. And uh, Krish, uh, Nets. Yes, sir. Go ahead with your question for Devin. Hey, good morning, uh, Devin. Hey, thanks for doing this. Good to see you. Chris, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Um, just, you know, I, I really like everything you talked about here today. You know, I've heard you speak before, and it's very consistent with what you have been talking about. Treating people very well. Um, we work very hard as, as director of the athletics to, to do that on a daily basis and to continue to build your team. Uh, but as you know, there, sometimes you come across some challenges um, with maybe different departments on campus or some people that don't uh, have the same vision as you do. And, and so when is that time or, or how, how do you approach someone who just doesn't seem to be on board? Um, and I'm not talking within your own department because I think you can handle that a little differently. But, you know, whether it's a facilities department or a contractor or somebody that uh, just doesn't seem to be on the same page as you, um, how do you toe that line? To, to make sure that what you need is getting done and not coming, not coming across as uh, demanding or, or uh, not a team player. Yeah, Chris, that's, that's a very, that's a great question. Um, my response to that would be that I believe that the most important, the most efficient way to, to influence others is being consistent. So, and I think we've all been at position. I, I know I can think of some, some examples personally myself, one thing I've learned, Chris, maybe by trial and error, is that if you can continue to treat those people well, irrespective of, of how, they, how they respond to you, irrespective of how they might talk about you or maybe be non-responsive to you. But I think what you can do to back that up, Chris, on the other side is to document everything. So for, for an example, let's just say you had an employee, employee across campus somewhere and you needed that employee to, um, let, let's just say, turn on the lights every day. That's a very important thing, right? The rest of the athletic department can't work if the lights are not turned on in the arena, let's just say. And this only one person could do that on your campus. They don't report to you. Um, they have no, they're not influenced by you in any way. And if you go to that person, you could say, hey, Devin, would you please turn on lights? And Devin does not respond to you. He's nasty. He's mean. You continue to be nice, but you put this in documentation. So you have an email showing, Devin, could you please turn on the lights at 8.15 before everybody gets in at 8.30 a.m.? Have this in an email. And at some point in time, when you're asked either by your direct report, a donor, alum, or somebody, hey, how come the lights don't come on? You can easily go right back to say, well, we are working as best we can with Devin. Um, here's the documentation. And we're hoping to get there. So now you didn't have to actually say anything negative about Devin. You didn't have to get in Devin's face, get mad at Devin. You just had a documentation that you were being consistently nice to this person, but also giving him an expectation. That's documented. Hope, hope that helps, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I've got a question here in the, in the chat box from Allison Kern. Uh, Devin, what have you found to be the most important part of, of this specifically as it relates to managing up? Mm. Wow, Allison, that's a, that's a very, very good question. Um, I, I'll be fully, I mean, the only way we're going to grow is by being, I think, transparent. And we're all evolving in evolution process. It is, I probably 
manage up a little bit differently than the maybe the, the, the leaders and scholars you might read about. I probably come from a military background. So when the leader makes a decision and we break the huddle, I'm going to do it. Um, so from a managing up standpoint, yeah, treating people well, you're going to treat your boss very, very well. That's probably the first part you always be thinking about. And embracing humility would be that you serve your boss. So from my standpoint, um, Allison, to that question to the group here, is I feel that you need to, one needs to serve their boss in such a way to make sure that you're helping your boss achieve their goals. And sometimes those goals are going to be a little bit different from yours. If you are the assistant director of marketing and you're responsible for attendance and getting fans to be, let's say, men's and women's soccer, maybe the director of marketing's goals are a little bit more broader, if you will. Or there's going to be times you're going to have to step out of that thought process of, 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 of attendance for men's and women's soccer and help the director of marketing. Or if you're the AD, obviously the athletics department is your, your prize and possession, but the president has other agendas and you got to make sure you're serving her or his objectives. So I would say from a humility standpoint, you want to serve that person. Um, you know, excellence, obviously, that's, just, that's probably really need to, to dive into that one. So, Allison, I would say I was going to go off on a tangent and say that I, I uh, function leading up in a way where I just do whatever I'm asked, but it kind of fits to uh, this theory, that I, the process I have of the three and a half points. Hopefully that helps, Allison. All right, I've got another question here, and forgive me if I don't pronounce this name correctly, from Santiago Pinzon. Devin, thank you very much for your time. How do you change culture within a department, and how do you ensure all constituents practice excellence in everything they do? Mm, Santiago, good question. Good to, good to hear from you, too. Um, I, I, I'll, God bless her soul. Um, uh, President... President um, Lushke, she was a president at Towson University several years ago. Um, she's since passed away. Um, I'll never forget, she said something to me once. We, we were talking about uh, Towson University and what was important at that moment in time. This would have been the early, two, uh, like 2011. And it was important that they were going to make Towson a STEM institution, science, technology, engineering, and math. And she would talk about STEM in every single juncture that she was uh, in or, or, or whatever time it was a speaking engagement. I mean, oftentimes, I remember we would say that we would kind of joke to each other. We'd say, well, we know she's here to talk about football, but she's going to mention STEM first. And it was almost became like a joke. And one day I asked her why she talked about STEM in every single time. And she said, as a leader, you have to talk about something to the point where it makes the people underneath you sick of hearing it to the point where they roll their eyes because that's the only time they're really gonna get it. Because we live in this world where there's so many things happening, there's so many dynamics, there's so much information coming at us. If you just say it once a week or every so often or at the end of the year review or at the beginning of the year retreat, it's gonna get lost on people. So when you're trying to change culture, it's no different than being in the weight room. You would never go in a weight room just once a year, hoping that you're going to be a better track runner. I happen to run track in college or hoping to be a better basketball player or a better soccer athlete. You're going to go in a weight room every single day, other than maybe some rest days. But for the most part, you're going to be there every single day because those muscles have to be conditioned. The muscles are part of the culture of your body. So the culture you're trying to instill in the organization, it has to be talked about every single day. 
um, to the point of people getting sick of hearing it. The, the part about excellence every day, Santiago, I think that is something that it has to be demonstrated from you or one as the leader in everything. That means there's going to be some long days, long nights. Um, oftentimes in my role, I try to spend uh, 9 a.m. to about 3.30 p.m. every day just in conversation with our coaches' direct reports so I can reemphasize excellence and culture and those things and then do actually my work from 3.30 until whenever it's done. I'm not saying it's the only way to get it done, but I'd say you have to be in constant communication about excellence and then the culture. Hope that helps, Santiago. Devin, let me kind of tangent off of that question there for a moment. The idea of consistency and communication is, uh, I, I think everybody is, is familiar with that idea. Um, in, in this moment of remote work, and you talked about communicating with your, with your coaches and reinforcing that idea of excellence, uh, how have you managed this shift in, uh, in this temporary work situation where you're not in a building with everybody every day and where you're, you're instead doing these types of virtual uh, meetings? How have you maybe switched up or modified your approach to maintain that consistency and to keep communicating uh, that message of excellence? You know, I, I would say, and that's a good question, Joe, I would say uh, what I have done personally is uh, modified, or I would probably say augment to this, is more communication. I think anytime you're in a, a, a situation of uncertainty, you have to over-communicate to your people. Because if your people are not hearing from you, they will create their own narrative, or they will create their own reality. And sometimes that perception can become the true reality for the greater group. And that's the worst thing you can have happen when you're in a time of uncertainty. And we're obviously in very much time of uncertainty right now. So uh, an over-communication. I would rather have the people that work at Lynn University, the 65, 70 people that work there in the athletics department, say, I am sick and tired of hearing from Devin. I would actually rather have that go on behind my back or be the running joke that I'm sick of hearing from Devin. I'm sick of him calling me and checking up every so often on a cell phone or having, we, do, we use Microsoft Teams, having Microsoft Teams uh, web calls or Amazon Chime or Zoom, whatever it might be, than anything else less than that. So it's an over-communication. If, if one person reports to you, that person's a family member and you have to see that person as a family member, you would not communicate with your wife. You wouldn't go one day without communicating. I wouldn't go one day without communicating with my wife. And you got to look at your people as your family members too, as well. Let me also back up here and uh, touch on that on that third point about excellence and everything that you do. And again, in as it relates to this current moment, where all of a sudden, in that second week of March, everything that was expected or best practice or that we've been doing previously went straight out the door. Um, the idea of excellence and everything you do when you are almost having to make it up every day. Can you talk a little bit about the idea of excellence? Yes, absolutely important. But there's also that idea that I've, I've heard some folks talk about, don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. Can mm. you talk about maybe how, how you have approached a balance between those two ideas, if that's been something that, that you and, and your staff have contended with? Wow, John, that, it, that's a, it's a very good question. I don't know if I've taken a lot of time to think through this, but I'm going to give you my, my thought to that, is that you're right. You don't want perfect to, to limit you 
or, or, or stagnate you or stop you from actually moving forward. You, you don't want that. I, I look at excellence as acts of doing as opposed to acts of omission. So I would rather have an employee who's making attempts and they might make mistakes. I see that as excellence because they're putting forth the work as opposed to the person sitting back, not doing anything. So, and sometimes quite frankly, the person sitting back doing nothing, it's not because they don't want to work. It's because maybe they're processing. But I feel that when you're processing, you have to let people know what you're processing. So it doesn't have to be done, but you still got to update people that you're actually working through some type of a process. So my response to this is that I've personally taken this from Gene DeFilippo, um, the former athletic director of Boston College in Villanova, who's been a longtime mentor of mine, is that this, every single day you wake up and you interact with at least one person or 101 people is a job interview for the rest of your life. Not saying for you to get the next job. I'm just saying it's a job interview for your influence. It's a job interview for your brand. So with that said, that's where the excellence comes in. So I'm not so much looking, John, as a project excellence where everything needs to be spelled correctly and those types of things. Yeah, you want to make that attempt. But I mean excellence on how you treat people, how you make them feel, how are you embracing the humility, almost some of the things we look at here. So I hope that helps a little bit, John, is when I look at excellence, it's about who you're becoming as a person, not so much on what exactly you're doing. Very good. Let me uh, go to some questions that I have here from, from some folks who couldn't be with us today. Um, for you, Devin, specifically, and we're talking about leadership and, and, and you're offering these, these three and a half tips as, as leadership principles, um, who or what have you, Devin Crosby, leaned on as a leader to help you through this particular moment? Hmm. Wow. The first one would be um, Dr. Uh, Kevin Ross, uh, my boss, the president at Lynn University. Uh, Kevin Ross um, is a very, very wise person. He's, he's, he's brilliant when it comes to understanding the, the, the business of, of education, the intersection of sports within education, uh, and just leadership in general and people in general. So I've learned a lot through Kevin. So I would say he, he's someone I've leaned on very, very heavily. Um, as I mentioned early, uh, Gene DeFilippo has been a mentor uh, you know, for years. Um, Mark Murphy, the uh, GM of the Green Bay Packers, he, he got onto one of our uh, Zoom calls with the athletics department. He's been a mentor um, for, for years. Uh, Kevin Colbert, the present GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So those are some of the people when when I am thinking about what next, or I'm thinking about how do they handle something, those are the, those are the phone numbers that I'm picking up quickly um, to, to chime in. Another one would be uh, Commissioner Ed Pasque of the Sunshine State Conference. Uh, you know, former student athlete, uh, law degree, uh, a Marine. He's been through a little bit of everything, and he's our commissioner. So those would be some of the phone numbers that I call very quickly. You know, my president, um, Commissioner Pasquay, Mark Murphy, the Green Bay Packers, Kevin Colbert, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And let me also add and, and encourage folks here, if anybody would like to also chime in on some of these answers and share your experience as well, or add, add two cents, please do use the raise hand function in the participant box there, or you can also shoot me a question in the, uh, in, in the chat box. 
Let me uh, also go to one of the other questions that, that I have here. In regards to uh, support staff, uh, it, it's been noted that they are often the unsung heroes, if you will, of, of behind the scenes and making a department success. Uh, again, in the midst of this irregular working situation, uh, knowing that you are always constantly communicating and, and communicating that excellence, um, how do you include that support staff in the decision-making process? Uh, and, and how do they help uh, develop your vision for athletics at Lynn? You know, it, it, so that's probably more of a functional question, John, that, that I can answer. Uh, what we do at Lynn, and we, we've, we've enhanced this now since we've been uh, in this world's uh, health crisis right now, is we meet twice a week. We have our executive team of the athletics department. We meet them every Tuesday, and there's no agenda on there. Basically, that's a meeting where every member is responsible for bringing at least one item to the table. They could bring two or three, but and we really dive deep and, and have healthy conversation. And there's no titles when we get together as a group. It's easy sometimes just to listen to the person with the highest title in the room. Um, and that could be a failed attempt, at least in my opinion. So we strip our titles. We get on this conference call now and just talk about issues that impact Lynn University Athletics. And then as a senior staff, that's a little bit larger group. That's about, you know, uh, 10 of us or nine or 10 of us all together. We meet every Friday. And then that's when we go over the agenda. What needs to be done? What are the tasks that haven't been completed yet? What do we need to be talking about in relation to COVID-19 as of right now? Um, so that's how the decision process happens, John, because we talk, and, and the, the word organically used all the time, but I'm going to use it. It's a very organic conversation with an agenda on what's next for Lynn Athletics and how can Lynn reach their goals um, in whatever situation that we're in. So again, the executive group meets on Tuesday and on Friday would be the senior team. And then the head coaches, we get together once every other week, just myself and head coaches. And then we have our internal operations meeting. That's all 65, 70 people. We meet once a month. Taking that, that, that functional question one step, uh, one step further, uh, let me ask, what do you see as the biggest challenges uh, that you're facing right now uh, as, a, as a college administrator as states are trying to, to open up? And I know there in Florida, there, there are different stages of, of, of opening up. How are you, uh, what would you say is your biggest challenge in, in that whole process at the moment? You know, I, I'm not sure it's a challenge yet, John, in terms of the the, um, the, the structure of, of opening up. I would say I'm going to answer your question with my own response, irrespective of your question. I smile when I say that. Is I think the biggest challenge just in general right now is morale because uh, everybody handles stress in different ways. So just because I've been fortunate enough to obtain my peace because of my relationship with Jesus Christ, not everybody has that. And I'm aware of that. And so with that said, I may be peaceful despite the circumstances being unknown that I know that there's a sovereign God that takes care of me and I'll be just fine. But not everyone sees the world that way. So with that said, I'm very cognizant that people are very, very anxious. Um, people are stressed out. Mental health has become a major issue with our student athletes, with employees, just the, the population at large. So I would say the largest challenge as a leader right now is being able to care for the people that you are responsible for. Because you got to remember, leadership is a privilege. And with that privilege is a responsibility. So I say, if you can view every single person that reports to you like an adopted family member, 
That's a heavy weight. Not unconquerable, but nonetheless, it's a weight that must be, it must be taken by the leader to make sure that their people have a sense of safety. Sorry to answer your question maybe the way you wanted to, but that was in my no, heart to respond. That no, way. no, no, no. That, no, that is, that is quite all right. And I'll ask, uh, does anybody else uh, here on the call have, have a perspective to share in, in regards to those particular challenges, whether it's about managing uh, the folks and, and their stress in this moment or just dealing with the, with the practical functional uh, issues? Uh, if anybody has anything that they'd like to share or contribute, please use that raise hand function. All right, let me go to, uh, to uh, a final question here then. Um, how, would, how would you say, how does the idea of leadership uh, tie in with the external brand that you are presenting to those outside of the department? You talked about how these principles very much uh, are, are, are about your brand. Um, and how would you say that, 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 that leadership uh, as a department influences uh, that external brand to those who are, who are your external audience? Yeah, that, that, great, great question, John. They are, they are literally all in the same. Now, I'm going to say that very intentional. I'm going to repeat that again. And I'm going to say this knowing that this is very, very difficult. This is a challenge for a lot of organizations. I get that. But here's what I mean by this. Your leadership values that you instill, that's that culture, if you will. So your leadership values and culture and the brand that you present externally, I believe need to be one in the same. Every interaction needs to be consistent. The brand needs to be consistent. So I'll just use Lynn for an example. I think most people know Lynn to some certain extent, probably because of our successful athletic programs, 25 national championships in 35 years of, of being in athletics department. With that said, every, most people know we're blue and white. That's it. You won't see camouflage at Lynn. You won't see pink on breast cancer month. You won't see light blue on you know, another type of month. We are, we are royal blue and white. The reason why is royal blue stands for honor and truth. White stands for humility. So what we tell our student athletes, every time they put on that uniform, that's who they are. That's who we are. If, if, a, if a parent was to come in and talk to one of us during a time of d distress or during a time of good nature, we're going to have the same presentation, the same interaction. We're going to treat that person very, very well. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. So again, I, I say this to say all this is that our values at Lynn University are honor, humility, in excellence. And blue means honor, white means humility, and gray, which that would be a last color we use for trimming, that is the excellence or the maturity, if you will. And I know there's no visual I can show you right now, but I hope that makes sense to the group here. We wear three colors at Lynn. That's our brand. And honor, humility, and excellence, that's our culture. It's all one and the same. That's, <laughs> I said that would be last question, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, tangent off of that just for a moment, because as a branding guy that I am, uh, the idea of that consistency, of that consistency being rooted and built upon a solid foundation of values, of institutional values, of departmental values, how that gets communicated, whether it's in 
what your teams look like on the field, or to your point with these three and a half points, your personal interaction, all of that should be represented in those foundational core principles. Um, You can't guarantee a championship every year, but you can guarantee these values every single time somebody interacts with you. And so really doing the heavy lifting to develop those values and those ideas, you communicate them to your internal audience, that then gets turned around to your external audience and helps you, dare I say, navigate both the good times and the very uncertain times such as right now. Would that be a fair way to put it? And John, you hit it right on right on the point. Our our uh, vice president, chief marketing operator, Sherry Weldon, at Lynn University, she did a phenomenal job building our brand. And one thing I'll share with you guys here: these three points, you know, treat people well. That is honor. I just basically guise these in different terms. Humility it is again. That's part of our brand and excellence. That's that's part of our brand at Lynn. And I just made them ours for this conversation. What I'll share with you guys: we don't even talk about wins and losses at Lynn. Again. 25 national championships in 35 years of playing, I think 45 conference championships. We don't talk about wins and losses. What I always say to our coaches, if we follow our brand, again, which is treating people well, embracing humility and excellence, everything we do, winning becomes the consequence. I'm going to repeat that again. When you treat people well, you embrace humility and excellence in everything you do, winning is the consequence. Making money is the consequence. Whatever your business model is, doesn't matter. It will become the consequence and it won't be, it doesn't need to be a goal anymore. It'll just happen. But they have, it has to be very strong and worked at every single day. And uh, we do have a follow-up question here from Spencer Rubin. Uh, Do you face challenges with such a straightforward brand? If so, how do you handle those challenges? Wow, Spencer, that's a really great question. Great question, Spencer. Yeah, there are challenges. Great question, Spencer. Uh, there are challenges because uh, simplicity sometimes can be uh, intoxicating to some and disturbing to others. W- what I mean by that is we, we do live in a, in a time and space right now where we have so much technology to our disposal. We have so much access. Uh, we are in a pool society where back in the 80s and before that, it was a push society meaning that you got information that was pushed out to you by either your parents or maybe the media, but now you can pull and bring information in and bring it to the workplace. With that said, there's always going to be lots of ideas, Spencer, that can be applied. And a lot of them are actually good ideas too. But at Lynn, particularly in the athletics department, we've forced ourselves to have this disciplined approach to everything we do. So sometimes great ideas, Spencer, don't fit in our box. Sometimes in, uh, potential employees that could have been really great for the industry might not be a good fit at Lynn. So we, there, are, there are some times at Lynn, and it's very intentional, where we make decisions to say no to things because it actually doesn't fit the brand and the consistency. And I'm not saying that's perfect, Spencer. I'm not saying that's the, the right way. I'm just saying it happens to be the Lynn Athletics way. But Spencer, that was a phenomenal question. All right, so let me make a last call here then for questions. Please use the uh, raise hand function or shoot them to me here in the chat in the uh, chat box. Uh, and hearing 
none. I want to thank Devin for his time today and for his presentation. I know that uh, you know there are plenty of opportunities for these types of, of online calls, uh, and it's my pleasure to be able to make uh, you know one more additional opportunity for folks to get some information and help them uh, through this time. So, Devin, thank you very much uh, for being here. For those of you who are for those of you who are here on the call, uh, I do hope that you are able to come away with information that is uh, relevant, practical, and actionable, and that you have uh, some new ideas that you can take back to your program. If, uh, if you and your staff can execute on those new ideas, that's great. That's exactly what, uh, what I'm hoping for. That's what we're hoping for. And I do look forward to seeing those, those ideas in action soon. Uh, if those ideas require creative support, if they, if they require some, some assistance and consistency in developing that messaging, uh, and perhaps you, you don't have the resources available, then I am required to say that Hartwell Studio Works is here to help. Uh, I'm happy to do a free 20-minute consultation call uh, to help walk you through your ideas and perhaps help you plan your next steps. You can go to my website, click on the scheduler uh, and choose the free 20 minute uh, consultation option. Uh, if you'd like to follow up with Devin directly, I'm going to share his contact information here with this screen here. There we go. Uh, if you'd like to follow up with Devin directly, you can contact him using this information through LinkedIn or through Twitter, and if you'd like to reach me, you can use my uh, contact information here as well. As I said previously, the audio for this conversation will be available on my podcast in the next couple of days, and the video will go up on YouTube soon. The next small college uh, athletic director Zoom conversation uh, will be scheduled in the coming weeks. Uh, you can get that announcement by going to my website, signing up for my email list, or you can also follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn. My thanks again to Devin for being here. Thanks for everybody for their participation. Uh, I'll look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great day, everybody. My thanks again to Devin for his time and willingness to share his ideas with the small college AD community. You can get in touch with Devin through LinkedIn and Twitter. His information is posted in the show notes for this episode found at the podcast page of my website, HartwellStudioWorks.com. If you're listening in iTunes, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and write a review. Help other sports professionals find this podcast. If you'd like to talk some sports branding, you can reach out to me by email at john at HartwellStudioWorks.com, and you can also follow me on social media on Twitter and Instagram using the handle HartwellStudio. And you can check out my entire portfolio of sports branding work at HartwellStudioWorks.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.